94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 o'clock, and uh, I'm Gary Baca. I want to thank you for listening, and now it's time for Cover to Cover. Good afternoon and welcome to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. I'm Amelia Gonzalez and today we're speaking about the upcoming annual festival Reorient, which is a production of short plays about the Middle East produced by Golden Thread Productions. This year, Reorient showcases writing by award-winning writers such as Naomi Wallace, deeply admired Iranian poet Simin Behani, emerging Bay Area playwright of Filipino background, Ignacio Zulueta, and one of today's most sought-after Middle Eastern American playwrights, Yusuf Elgindi. To tell us about the plays that are premiering as part of Reorient are Toranj Yekizerian, who is the artistic director of Golden Thread Productions, and Ignacio Zulueta, who is based here in the East Bay, Oakland, and is a member of the San Francisco Playgrounds Writers' Pool and was the 2004-2005 Z-Space Studios Tornasol resident. He is presenting the Philippines for the first time with the play 22 minutes remaining. Welcome Ignacio Zulueta and Toranj Yegesarian to KPFA. Thank you, Amelia. Thank you for the invitation to be here. It's a pleasure. Let's start with talking about Reorient. You're featuring five plays that reflect the diversity of the region. Toranj, would you give us a brief description of the different plays? Um, yes, absolutely. Um, the, the Really, the vision of Reorient Festival is to present uh, diversity in um, in content and style and uh, each year the plays are uh, very different from each other and I think in many ways reflect sort of the state of the world and um, the artist's response to what's going on and this year is no different we have five plays um, the Yusuf's play the monologist suffers her monologue um, is really about um, identity politics from a Palestinian woman's perspective. Uh, Pistachio Stories deals with sort of post-9-11 uh, paranoia, like right immediately after uh, 9-11, again from uh, a Middle Eastern perspective. Uh, two minutes remaining, I'm sure Ignacio will talk about more, but it takes place uh, last summer during the... Uh, latest war on Lebanon and uh, Between This Breath and You by Naomi Wallace is really a very sort of um, enigmatic um, exploration of the Palestinian-Israeli conflict from a very personal perspective. Now, unfortunately, in politics, there's a lot of polarization in terms of you're either on one side, you're on the other. You know, we've been here at KPFA, given that we present the Palestinian side, more so than mainstream, we've been called a KPLO. (laughs) (laughs) And I I wanted to get your take on that. How do you present, through the arts, the complexity of the issues? Um, Well, it's it's not easy. It's uh, challenging because I think if you really focus on... um, if you focus too much on the politics, then you lose on the artistic side. 
for us, um, first and foremost, the most important thing, for example, in, in terms of selecting plays, it has to do with the, the artistic merit of the piece. Uh, in case of plays, you know, is it dramatic? Does it, does it, uh, are the characters written, uh, as three dimensional complex, uh, characters? And does it, you know, offer opportunities for experimentation on stage or visuals and st things like that. Um, having said that, obviously our company, Golden Thread Productions, is dedicated to exploring Middle Eastern cultures and identities. And um, we live in a country where the information that we receive about this region is very much skewed. Now, uh, we can't ignore that. So a lot of um, what informs our decision making, I think, is a response to, uh, to the already sort of, um, biased, um, representation and the already sort of stereotypical representation of, um, people from the Middle East. And so, uh, it, that, that does mean that to an average American or to who is informed only by mainstream news media about, the Palestinian-Israeli conflict, for example, what the way we present or the stories and characters that we present may come across as um, pro-Palestinian, for example. Um, it's really always a matter of perspective. I think the country's notion of the center is far more right politically, yeah, totally. far more conservative than the country itself would admit. Mm -hmm. And to come, and we all know this living in Berkeley and California, to suddenly come and present what you what you feel is balanced sometimes points out just how far um, just how progressive your politics are in contrast to someone else who really doesn't realize how far right the middle of the road is and I think well, that I'm sorry I think the notion of balance is also a trap or is often used as a trap the the reality of our situation is that uh, the issues in the U.S. are not presented in a balanced way. And when you're talking about people's stories and um, characters and conflicts, it's not so much about balance. It's about truth. It's about being true to the situation and dealing with characters that are three-dimensional and complex. The, the whole notion of objectivity right. is uh, some people are afforded more objectivity than others just by the mere color of their skin or their culture and so forth here in this country. But I did want to just press a little bit on context mm -hmm. because I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about what is what's the context that a U.S. audience might take these plays. Does, is that where does that come in for a theater company dealing with such a controversial area of the world? Um, I think uh, it forces us to provide a lot of background information. It forces us to support um, some of the plays that we bring to stage with um, with facts that uh, may not be um, prominently presented in the U.S. Uh, so we do spend a lot of time creating com context for our plays. Yeah, I do feel a lot of audiences have an exciting, although somewhat daunting, prospect of s attending theater and having it be a learning experience mm -hmm. in addition to being a theatrical and, and engaging emotional experience. And that's odd. It's not 
often that you have to expect your audiences to say, this is the first news I've had of this region at all, if they don't follow the headlines. Mm-hmm. There's a real challenge that you feel like you're always having to worry about um, getting your facts straight because the facts are just not out there before you can get down to the business of the of the stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we frequently, um, I, I often talk to audience members after performances and you know, I'm always surprised by some of the comments that we that I hear. Um, something as simple as I didn't know there are Christians in the Middle East, for example. <laughs> right. Um, I didn't know Iran and Iraq were two different countries. Uh, I mean, the, you know, the, you have that, and then you have other audience members who are very well versed in in the topics and in the issues, and you know they challenge you on um, on the content of the play. Now, of course, a play is uh, the playwright's uh, uh, product; it's the playwright's view, and and so the playwright is the best person to to really address. Uh, issues about choice and characterization. The plays of this sort really invite people to take sides, and that's that's a wonderful plus. It gets people engaged in a way that they wouldn't have been before, but it also brings that conflict that is so exciting mm-hmm. can also be counterproductive or can be difficult. It is is it contains the seed of its own downfall. You just heard the voice of Ignacio Zulueta and Taranch Yegesarian, and they're talking about the showcasing of five plays having to do with the Middle East that has started last night and will be playing through February 3rd. I know that you have made a point to include the role of the U.S. as part of Reorient. Do you think that generally that has been part of the dialogue and the general sentiment of this country as Americans seeing themselves as part of what is happening there outside of the military? Well, if it hasn't, I think it really should. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I mean, that's partly why Golden Thread's mission is to produce plays by Middle Eastern playwrights, but also produce plays by anyone about the Middle East. Because part of what we're trying to do is to encourage uh, people to engage with the Middle East as a topic and not be, uh, first of all, not be afraid of it, but also um, not be limited and boxed into the existing stereotypes. Um, and Ignacio can talk about this some more, but I think uh, often um, I talk to playwrights who, uh, because of their participation, for example, in the Reorient Festival, have been exposed to material that... Um, was not that they didn't have access to before or you know issues come up just in the process of production and talking about these characters and researching the topics that is it's quite a learning experience and and i think one point that we shouldn't lose sight of is that on the one hand we are very specific and we're focused on the middle east on the other hand we're talking about human conflict and and it and and those there are these issues are universal issues. I think there's something extremely value about valuable about an American audience member watching you know a Lebanese woman's story and realizing that in fact they share the same issues. you know she has problems with her son. You know, I have problems with my son. They have, mm-hmm. you know, these are human conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really uh, demystifies the Middle East and demystifies um, Middle Eastern people. 
Now, you also have included a piece by Iranian poet Simin Bebehani. Yes. Can you talk about that? Well, um, as I said, you know, diversity in style is also a big part of Reorient Festival. And as it um, happened this year, many of the plays... Um, are similar thematically. They all deal with very contemporary, immediate political issues in many ways. And um, I was looking for something that would offer some stylistic diversity to the evening. And um, working on a play is one of my favorite um, theater experiences. And being familiar with the work of Simin Behbahani um, and knowing about how... Um, uh, visually uh, inspiring her poetry is and how dramatic and theatrical it is, I was um, inspired to search for a piece that might um, have relevance um, and at the same time offer some um, opportunities to play around with sort of style, um, theatrical style. And um, and this, this is a poem that's being... Um, uh, presented in a sort of a um, abstract way by three actors, um, so it's certainly not a poetry reading by any means. Titled "I Sell Souls." I sell souls, mm -hmm. and yeah. it, and it was written in 1975, but I think it's really very, um, uh, it really rings true today, and it, it feels very contemporary, very uh, immediate. of Toranj Yegesarian and she's here with Ignacio Sulueta, both of whom are joining me to talk about the upcoming premiere of Reorient, produced by Golden Thread Productions, which showcases five short plays exploring the Middle East. Reorient is opening this weekend, as a matter of fact, opened last night, but will be playing throughout January till February 3rd. We'll give you more information about that. Also, later on in the show, we'll be giving away two pairs of tickets, so do stay tuned. You're listening to Cover to Cover Open Book. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Ignacio Sulueta, you have written one of the plays titled 22 Minutes Remaining. What about an Israeli soldier warning residents of a village in southern Lebanon resonated with you to write about it? I think the first thing that affected me, and indeed the first thing that, that moved me to write about it, is the fact that it is drawn from an actual event, at least as reported in the Jerusalem Post, but that notwithstanding, that it came from an actual article. There was a July 27th article during the war um, from uh, that actually related this incident. Of It took place in Gaza, in Khan Yunus, and it detailed the story of a Palestinian man who was called in his uh, shop-slash-home and given a warning by an anonymous Israeli lieutenant that his house was going to be bombed as part of uh, Israel's counter-terror operations. Life is stranger than fiction. <laughs> when I heard this story, I thought, this is such a... this is so bizarre. This is such a strange combination of belligerence and humanitarianism as to almost negate the other it, I thought it was just 
I thought it was ripe and paradoxical and thus appropriate for the theater to attempt to examine the 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 uh, the senselessness of it and the keen sensibility. I, I knew I had two heroic characters mm-hmm. the moment I heard this. A soldier whose job is not to kill. I thought that's a soldier I could write about. That's that's somebody who who we you know everyone has a, a stereotype of the military as as being unprofessional and callous. And I wanted to write a story that challenged that. And uh, this woman as well. I wanted to really there is something really stirring about the the passive resistance, the resistance in the face of overwhelming odds uh, that. I felt I could put these two characters on stage together, admire them both, and at the same time still regret uh, the tragedy of their con- of their situ- of their conflict. Prior to us recording this interview, you shared with me that the play is about this communication, this connection that takes place without either one of your characters looking at each other. Talk about that. It is a distancing effect that I hope increases the desperate intimacy mm-hmm. of uh, of the situation. These characters, as they find out, they have a tie. They have far more commonality, even if it's just intransigent stubbornness. They have far more to do with one another than either of them would care to admit. And so this play is about a cautious reaching out to one another, despite all of the layers of suspicion of uh, antagonism, of resentment that they both feel for one another. And I also felt that 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 distancing effect, in a way, increases the, increases the, the affect. It, 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 it raises the stakes for them to have only one sense of the five senses, one sense available, not just to uh, hear the person, but to attempt to get what they want from another human being, a stranger. That being said, it was, uh, <laughs> my director definitely raised his eyebrows quite a few times when looking at the notion of having two characters on a stage who can never touch, mm-hmm. who can never look each other in the eye, who can never do all those subtle, essential theatrical gestures, which is the whole point of putting on theater rather than reading a novel. There, there, it, it cut off so many modes of uh, of direction and style for us at the same time that it opened some some other doors as well in terms of really pushing the pushing making the difficult engaging hmm. so uh, would you say dialogue was <laughs> was crucial in your writing this and, and contemplating presenting it in front of a, an audience not just dialogue but the whole the whole aural dimension, the aspect mm. of sound, is mm-hmm. is critical in this play. Not just because language is the only medium that carries information between the characters, as far as they can admit to, but because all of the background noise. The play is one of my most realistic plays, and I realize that when you do a realistic play, uh, sound becomes intensely important, visuals become important, and the sounds of the war, the conflict, jets in the sky... Uh, air raid sirens heard in a basement, even cell phone rings. All of these things become critical. It's almost like a radio play that we have the privilege of peering into the studio to observe. Hmm. And that that was the door opened that we found interesting that we walked through and, and tried, to, tried to work with. But uh, all of the traditional aspects of stagecraft, this is not a play about hugs. This is not a play about shaking hands. It's a play about um, this tense... And 
uniquely modern communication that you can have a life and death conversation over a cell phone and a Bluetooth headset. That is something uniquely 21st century mm-hmm. that I think most people don't think of when they think of the Middle East. They think, you know, they think burkas and they think sand. They don't think skyscrapers, glass, right. the internet, and global communications. Mm-hmm. That's true. And you generally see that part of the world as being totally polarized, no interconnection from one side to the other. And, and I'm reading the descriptions of the different plays, and I find that, that that's interesting when you have, such as 22 minutes remaining as we were talking with you, Ignacio, also Between This Breath and You by Naomi Wallace, which is about a Palestinian man refusing to leave a clinic unless he speaks to an Israeli nurse in charge. Also, the story of pistachio stories that is about something as simple as red pistachios. <laughs> I think I, I think um, more traditional and conservative elements would really want to see the world as black and white, to mm-hmm. see the world as simple, morally separated, ethically separated, culturally separated. And the Middle East, like America, just isn't that way. There is a pluralism to the region. There is a pluralism to the Philippines. There is a pluralism to human communities that I think theater reminds us of, that reality reminds us of. And I think that's part of the excitement is to show cultures, heterogeneous mixed cultures in conflict, not these static icons of uh, not to promote this constant sense of false conflict. The conflict is there, but it is subtle. It is it is messy complex and it is human mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taranj did you want to add to that um, no I mean I think uh, Ignacio is very articulate about it it's uh, it's you know in terms of when you look at something as an outsider you want to clearly define who the players are and what they stand for and you know and the fact is that life isn't like that and humans aren't like that we're all um combinations of many things and uh, and we're complex uh entities um and the middle east is extremely extremely diverse both in religion in uh, eth- uh ethnicities in uh tribes i mean there are so many different kinds of people and they have lived together and they're interconnected and um this notion of you know pure groups of sunnis versus shiites or israelis versus palestinians or jews versus muslims it's you know as ignacio says there are conflicts but mm-hmm. the divisions aren't quite that exact and specific. It would mm-hmm. be like thinking California was entirely full of Caucasian people right. with clearly mm-hmm. defined, you know, Latino communities mm-hmm. and clearly defined Asian communities. Anyone who steps outside into the street knows that just isn't true. Right. Well, and unfortunately, it does serve a purpose. When you think of it being so polarized, when you think of societies and the the, let's say, non-cross-culturation taking place, when you have that segregation, it's easy to bomb. It's easy to militarily try to resolve issues because you only have it one way. uh, Right, and that's um, part of, in a way, what our theater is responding to, is that we are responding to this this effort towards creating the other that you know we are not the other 
the the people from the Middle East, the the region, all the different people that live there, we in many ways are just like you. Is what you know the the theater by. On the one hand, we don't want to reduce the differences or simplify the issues. On the other hand, it's important to emphasize the universality of our experience as human beings, that we all suffer the same way, we all uh, experience joy the same way. Um, Because in a way, that really helps you see what's at stake. When you strip away the notion of inevitability or a manifest destiny or any of the things that people would like you to believe, you see that a struggle about land can be resolved by people as long as you're willing to treat both participants as people with legitimate uh, with legitimate grievances. It's because the conflicts aren't there. The universality does not mean, you know, well, <laughs> Jerusalem's problems are not Washington's problems. Right. But I feel mm-hmm. like because we have a notion of what Jerusalem is, we can't actually see the nature of conflict in Palestine. We we have a preconceived notion. By giving us a common identity, by dispelling the notion of the other, it enables the real, tough, honest human work of problem solving to begin. Yeah, it's our, our approach to um, foreign policy is like a, from a marketing person's approach. You know, you uh, look at your market segments, try to define who your customer is, you know, and, and it's, you know, it really doesn't and serve... Yeah, and kill it. That's right. What kind of bomb would best suit this customer in this segment? You've been listening to Taranj Yegazarian, who is the artistic director of Golden Thread Productions, and Ignacio Sulueta, who is one of the playwrights, whose play is one of the short plays that are premiering as part of the 8th Annual Festival Reorient. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Amelia. And thank you, Amelia. It's uh, It's been a wonderful chance to talk about what we care about. Reorient has opened last night and will be showing through February 3rd at the Magic Theater, which is located at Building D at Fort Mason Center in San Francisco. For more information, you can call 415-626-4061 or visit Golden Thread's website at www.goldenthreadoneword.org. The folks at Golden Thread have been kind enough to give us a couple of pairs of tickets. Let's give them to the 5th and 8th caller, and you can call 510-848-4425. And again, if you're the 5th or 8th caller, you can get a pair of complimentary tickets for Sunday's performance of Reorient, which will be taking place January 27th, and that's at 7 p.m. Again, this is for January 27th's performance Sunday of Reorient. Please wait until Free Speech Radio News starts to call in. And again, I'll be giving them to the 5th and 8th caller. You've been listening to Open Book, Friday's edition of Cover to Cover. If you have any questions or comments about what you've just heard, feel free to drop me a line at amelia, A-M-E-L-I-A, at kpfa.org. I've been your host, Amelia Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. Join.
join Dr. Angela Davis at the 10th annual Martin Luther King Jr. National Holiday Celebration, Monday, January 21st at the Taylor Memorial United Methodist Church in Oakland. This KPFA co-sponsored event features the music of the Oakland Interfaith Gospel Youth Choir, Indigenous Native American ceremonies, and a sharing of a community meal. This celebration is to bring alive the vision and mission of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Make the dream real with keynote speaker Dr. Angela Davis, January 21st, 10 a.m. to noon. Visit kpfa.org for more information. Yo soy Silvia Reyes. Yo soy Julieta Cusmín. Aquí con la Raza Chronicles, Crónicas de la Raza. Bringing you noticias in Spanish and in English. Música, poesía. Soy Nina Serrano, La Raza Chronicles. Crónicas de la Raza. Every Tuesday, 7 to 8. My name is Esther Mania at La Raza Chronicles here at KPFA 94.1 FM. Yo soy Vanessa Bohm, aquí con La Raza Chronicles. Crónicas de la Raza. Every Tuesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Bringing you noticias de la Raza community. Yo soy Nicté, Crónicas de la Raza. Todos los martes de 7 a 8 p.m. This is Maya, aquí con la Raza Crónicas, every Tuesday from 7 to 8 p.m. Worldwide at kpfa.org. And in the Bay at 94.1. President of Earth Policy Institute, Lester Brown, deemed one of the world's most influential thinkers, will describe survival strategy for civilization on Thursday, February 7th at First Congregational Church, 2345 Channing Way in Berkeley, beginning at 7.30. There's wheelchair access. Tickets for this global exchange event are 13 at the door or $10 advance, available at independent bookstores and online through Global Exchange. This is Free Speech Radio News for Friday, January 11, 2008. From KPFK in L.A., I'm Ara Bogado. Activists around the world mark the six-year anniversary of the arrival of the first inmates.